everyone, and welcome back to the show. I really hope you've been enjoying it. In today's special final episode of season one, we're talking with E. Clayton Cornelius, who went from swing and understudy to Broadway producer. But before we do that, if you haven't listened to the intro, please take a second to do that now. All right, places for top of show. E. Clayton Cornelius has gone from being a swing on national tours like Hairspray and A Chorus Line to playing ensemble and leading roles on Broadway in his own right. Shows include Beautiful, Wonderland, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Time of the Temptations, just to name a few. And now he's added a Broadway lead producing credit to his resume with the show Chicken and Biscuits. Clayton and I first met doing the national tour of Dirty Dancing together many, many years ago, and I am so excited to reconnect with him today over a decade later. So Clayton, hey, welcome to the pod. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you Hi. for having me. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. I'm so happy you're here. Okay, so you have been doing this a really, really, really long time. And I wanted to yeah. take a trip down memory lane and sort of talk about your journey because it has been an epic one. So can we go way back, like <laughs> to the time, like way back when you were first starting out, can you talk about your first job or your first couple of jobs as a swing or an understudy and what that was like for you? Like, what do you remember from those experiences early on? Well, you know, I was a very enthusiastic <laughs> lad back in the day, back in the nineties. And, um, uh, the summer of 99 is when I got my first Broadway show. And I was doing um, a summer stock theater at Music Music Circus in Sacramento. And I ended up getting my first Broadway show before I left for that summer season. So I knew that I was going to do three-fourths of that season and then come into uh, New York with my first show. Wow. And I got cast I got cast as a standby for three of the lead roles. There was only six people in the show and there were three lead guys that I was going to stand by for. So that was going to be my first out of the gate job, understudying, standing by, whatever you would call it for these three lead roles. So I was sort of scared out of my mind because the show was uh, South African and it went to London and won all these Olivier awards and it was called Cat and the Kings by the way, Cat and the Kings with a K. And, yeah, exactly. Shout out to the show. Actually, you know what? We might revive it. So, you know, shout out to the show. Everyone uh, get out their history books and, and look it up. But uh, it won all these Olivier Awards in London. And then it, it, it came to Broadway uh, summer of 99. So I was like a week late because of doing the summer stock season. And I came into the show about a week and a half into watching the show and just going over sort of one rehearsal. We had one rehearsal where we get like went through the whole first act and I had just gotten through that week and uh, we were just about to start this, this, the second act of the show. And uh, one evening we were watching the show. It was a Friday night, if I can remember correctly. One of my guys or one of the characters that I actually was rehearsing for first, uh, Magoo plays the nerd. I realized at the end of the show, he sort of mysteriously disappeared. And I was like, where did he go? Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Well, okay, what's happening? And so I quickly knew that something was wrong because he never returned back on stage. And I thought, oh my God, what's happening? And then I see a stage manager at the right hand corner of my like peripheral vision. And I can see her waving me over Oh no. To come, like to come up. And I said, oh my God, oh, this no. cannot be happening. Oh no. And yeah, it's like this is just crazy. So I went backstage and um I'm in the throes of you're definitely gonna have to go on tomorrow. Mm. And my my heart sunk to my stomach. 
And mm. um, I probably lost about 10 pounds that evening. Ooh, but back so in the day, <laughs> I know, Amanda. But, you know, but back then we didn't have, you know, all of the technology that we did then. So they, they sent me home with a VHS tape. <gasps> yeah <laughs> of the show yes oh my lord <laughs> and um i had to learn the rest of the second act and the show from a vhs tape at oh, home my God. <laughs> you remember those old tvs with the two and one you oh, know yes i do oh yes that's what i, I have yes and, I do. um i i was freaked out but I did learn a lot just from watching, you know, and I think that you probably even know that in your career, that you learn so much just by even watching. Had an early rehearsal before the matinee the next morning, and they we walked through the second act as much as possible and did everything that I needed to do. And I do remember after the show, I, I don't remember the show at all, but <laughs> after the show. Blacked out, yeah. <laughs> blacked out, did the show. And as I was walking down the steps to go to lunch or dinner before the the second show, all the producers were at the bottom of the steps and they were clapping for me. (gasps) And they were saying, thank you so much for saving our show. You are fantastic. And since that point on, I was cast as nothing but understudy and standbys for for years. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. This is so interesting because I've said in an earlier episode on the pod, like there is something that can happen where you fall into what some can call the understudy trap. And that is like, once you've understudied a show and you've been successful at it, or maybe a couple, you can sometimes be, I don't know, pigeonholed for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word by casting directors Mm -hmm. or in the business as an understudy or a swing or a standby. Like that's kind of your jam. That's how they're going to see you. And that's how they're going to bring you in. And while there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a career understudy, because it is a great job, there is something to be said for getting kind of stuck in that kind of rut. So can you speak to that experience at all and how you went from maybe being an understudy because you did so, so much of it over many, many years to actually being in the show yourself? Like, how did you make that jump or that leap? What happened there? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I, I see people in shows now uh, as understudies and standbys and, and swings. It's funny because I can talk to them and they understand because I went through the same exact thing. It's, it's exciting to be wanted in that way, that they know that you can sing, dance, and act. And sometimes it's never explained to you. You're just always sort of cast as the understudy or cast as a, as a, as a swing. They all automatically put you in that category. It, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that they're just saying, hey, we know that we can count on you. And we know how valuable you are. And you're the most valuable to us in this position. Yes. Um, it took me a long time, Amanda, to get out of that mindset of I'm, uh, I guess I'm not good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can, you can put yourself in that mindset because once, once um, I like a new show, cause I, I always done original Broadway cast. Once you're in an original Broadway cast as a swing, you kind of get this thing where you wish you were doing that thing on stage or you wish you were a part of that cast or that moment that happened or you know, and, and you're, sometimes you're not a part of that moment. And I know yeah. that, you know, nowadays shows will try to, you know, make everybody a part of, you know, the moments when it's Tony time or when it's, you know, or, or going on that TV show to perform. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you just have to know how, how valuable you are and how great 
it is that you're in that position because you 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 can get a, a, a lot out of that in your career, which I did. I, I I was I probably understudied on probably four or five different Broadway shows, and my last show was Scottsboro Boys, where I covered almost every guy. Yeah, I, even and, the and when you say you show. covered every guy, I want to just pause and clarify. That's like I mean, it's like ten or more. You 10, covered yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, I yeah. I covered. I think there were like eight men that I covered, two of the character men, plus the woman in the show, because we had one woman in the show. And I actually what? was like a third cover for the woman. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little older at this point. I have been fighting to sort of, you know, as you start to get more seasoned, I guess, in the business, you just want to do more. You want to you want to share your talents with the stage. Yeah. And it, it, it got to a point where I remember Susan Stroman, Susan Stroman, who directed the Scottsboro Boys, uh, had the understudy start first when we went to Broadway or just coming from out of town to from the Guthrie Theater to New York. And we did like a whole week of rehearsal pre-pro or whatever you would call it before the the guys kind of came in to do the, the show. Mm-hmm. And um I added something in a scene and she loved it so much and laughed at me. She actually ended up using that exact thing that I did in the show. Wow. And I, that's when I, it hit me. Mm-hmm. I am literally giving my creativity and talents over to other people mm-hmm. and I'm not getting any credit for it. I, I don't mind it, but I'm still not getting any credit for it. Yeah. So yeah. that was the the last show that I swung. <laughs> I, I told myself then and there, mm, I think this is it for me. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like you say it with such ease now because you, you have had success, but at the time that must've been a little bit scary, you know, because you've been having so much success where you are. And sometimes it can feel intimidating to rock the boat. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I know this is right. I know this is what I want to do and what I should do to move my career forward. I know I can do it, but it can mm-hmm. still feel a little scary, no? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, but and the funny thing is, I had, from Scottsboro Boys, I actually had an audition for one of the lead roles that Titus Burgess had just played. Wonderland, uh, Frank Whitehorse Wonderland was coming to Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I uh, auditioned for that show because I had... Usually when I go in for lead roles at that point, you know, I was younger. So, you know, I, I, I think I was sort of like almost giving up in a way, but I went in with no expectations of that audition. I just mm. said, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever. And when I went into that audition, they actually offered me the role in the room. Clayton. Yes. And I had to call Susan Stroman to basically ask her if I could leave the show early and would she give me her blessing to take this lead role and move on to this new show. Because I didn't care anymore was (laughs) when my vessel opened up and I was able to do that audition with no fear. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the start of me sort of jumping onto this other thing you know? And, um, I think not too long after, oh no, no. Oh, you know what? Mm. When we, when we did Dirty Dancing, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we did Dirty Dancing in 2008. I actually hurt myself in that show. I I tore my ACL on stage. Oh, 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 that's right. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. I tore and I had to leave in Boston. I finished out the, the, the track in Boston but you guys went to LA without me. And mm-hmm. that's when my whole mind shifted 
And there was an interview with Anika Nani Rose. I remember when I was down for the count and I was healing. I didn't get upset. I didn't get mad. I knew that there needed to be a shift in my life. So I was okay with tearing my ACL. I didn't know what it was going to bring. I didn't know if I was going to continue to perform or if I was just going to just get through this and heal and continue. But yeah. in my healing process, I saw an interview with Nick and Audie Rose on The View. And they asked her, now that you're this big star and you're in these auditions with Beyonce and all these, you know, superstars, how does it feel going in and auditioning alongside these girls or knowing that they're going in for the same roles? And she said something that just made me snap, like in my head, like it literally shifted my whole mindset. She said, you know what? I don't listen to my girlfriends who tell me, hey girl, Beyonce is going to be in there and she's going to be auditioning. She said, I give 100% of myself when I go into the room and that's all I can do. And I leave it there. Mm. I don't know what she said necessarily that made me shift. I just said, what am I so afraid of? What am I scared of? Oh. I'm just going to leave 100% in the room every time. And what, what they do like, they're going to like, and what they don't, who cares? And yeah, that's so I, important. I ended, that's so yeah. important. That's such an amazing perspective to have. Yeah, no, no, no. And I ended up doing um, uh, parodies of song. I caught my good friend, Jay, Jay Elaine Marcos. And she's a very funny girl. We did a chorus line together. She played Connie Wong. And uh, she does a lot of parodies. If you look at the chorus line documentary, she's on there and she sings, um, uh, I need a hero, but I think she changes the the, the lyrics uh -huh. for her. <laughs> and I said, hey, can we create a song? So we created this song called, uh, in chorus lines, give me the ball. And I and I sing, give me the job. Nice. So I started I started singing these parodies and just, just doing whatever I wanted to do in the room. And I booked all lead roles from that point on, like four leads, or I was just booking shows left and right. And they weren't understudies, they weren't swings. And I, and I decided to say no to that. You know, amazing sort of like where where it went yeah amazing like it sounds like you had these things that could have been a tragedy could have been a travesty and taken you sort of out of the game and made you question what you were doing and doubt yourself but instead it kind of was shining a light in a new direction saying wait a minute I can do this and it was freeing you up to bring as you were saying your entire self into the room you knew that you were talented what they were going to like they were going to like what they weren't going to like they weren't going to like but you didn't have control you just had control over your talent, your preparation and having fun in the room. And it sounds like that is what kind of catapulted you into the next phase. No. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Such an important lesson. And I'm so happy that that happened for you because you are a superstar, super talented. And I have to say like going way, way, way back to those dirty dancing days. I mean, it's, <laughs> it feeds into my wanting to do this podcast because for me, that was my first musical and that was okay. my first time. Yeah. You didn't know that. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I oh, thought you yeah. did musicals before, oh, no, but honey. I didn't, I didn't oh, know no. that was your first. No, it was my, it was my first and my only because I do plays. And so to witness right. what was going on in terms of the chorus and the swing and how hard you guys were working mm. and what you were learning and coming in and, and going out, I was like, this is crazy. These people are wow. amazing. And yeah. I feel very lucky to have gotten to know so many of you to have witnessed that and to be able to bring it full circle on the podcast. Right, today. right. Um, so let me get into your next sort of 
leap and journey of going from being in the Broadway shows to wearing a producer hat. Like, how did that happen? Actually, it was before we actually went off to do Dirty Dancing together in 2008. I think that's when we went off. Mm -hmm. Um, I did almost two years of a chorus line revival on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a hunch (laughs) and with me and my partner at the time, uh, he worked for, you know, a, a, a high-end makeup company, uh, Prescriptives, which mm-hmm. is not even in existence now. I think it's owned by L'Oreal. Yeah. And um, he worked for them. And uh, we had this idea of just saying, hey, Mac used to be sort of the sponsor on every Broadway show. And I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if like Prescriptives or L'Oreal um ends up being like a sponsor on a Broadway show. I'm sure they would want to break into the industry or break into a new, you know, platform. New market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um I pitched this to the marketing group. I called up the, you know, the 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 uh, marketing group um which is no longer in existence at the time who was on the show and they said that sounds like a great idea. Why don't you why don't we set up a meeting? I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I called my father. He said, set up an LLC, become the liaisons company between the two, you know, between L'Oreal and the marketing group or, or your show so that you can get some type of something out of it. And I said, okay, great. Oh, so, wow. you know, I, I did that. And, and I, here I am, I tried to cover up the fact that I was an actor. So I just uh-huh. used my yeah. first, my first <laughs> real name, Elliot. Yes. And yes. I'm at this meeting and they go, well, how did we get here? You know, I hear that you might know by York. How do you know by York Lee? And I'm like, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm an actor in the show. And they were like, oh my God. <laughs> so they, so, yes. Yeah, yes. So that was sort of like my first inkling of, hey, this is something that I want to do. And from then I would always sort of look at the business on the other side, like who are these guys in the suits? You know, who's giving us our paychecks? What's happening? How do we get here? And I'm always looking at those positions and those people who, you know, we don't necessarily meet all the time um, and, and sort of fascinated with those positions and, and, and how theater is, 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 is being built. And it wasn't until uh, Ain't Too Proud, you know, flash into the future, and everyone was just mind blowing. I knew the show was going to be very successful. And I said, I need to be on it in a financial capacity. I, I don't know exactly what, but I want to invest in it possibly. Mm. And my manager happens to be a producer as well. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get on the show. So we sort of teamed up together. He got on as a co-pro and I got in as an investor. And there you have it. <laughs> I, you know, I love this. I applaud this so much because you know, a lot of actors, you can sometimes feel like the low man on the totem pole, but you know, mm-hmm. when you get that itch, when you're like, wait a second, I ha- I want to put a different hat on. I want to be at the table. I want to be investing in something like that. And you didn't know what you were doing at the beginning either. And, nope. you know, thank you to your daddy, um, who, <laughs> who had that wise, very wise insight in the very beginning, but you were learning as you go. And it just shows anyone out there, like you can do it. Mm-hmm. You can do yeah, it. I- I, I believe in throwing yourself in situations. Listen, I, I'm still learning. You know, I, now I have investments across Broadway. I have six investments, um, you know, as well as Ain't Too Proud. I do Hades Town and MJ the Musical, Carolina Change. And now I'm co-proing on a lot of shows and I've learned so much. And then I got thrown into that lead 
sort of general partner uh, spot on chicken and biscuits uh, at Circle in the Square, which we, you know, unfortunately had to close because of COVID, but that was yeah. a fantastic play. Congratulations. I don't know you, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I just learned so much and I'm still learning and I'm still throwing myself into situations that I do not know and I do not understand. But <laughs> I know that if I walk into those environments and into the situations with my head held high, knowing that I do know or that I will figure it out and ask questions, that it's okay. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that, you know, even if I do follow my face or falter, I'll pick myself up, learn from it and move forward. So now wearing a producer hat, can you talk a little bit about how you see the casting of a show or understudies and swings in particular, where you have that different mm-hmm. perspective, having been one? I know you spoke to that a little bit earlier, but I'd love to dig out some more insight from you. Yeah. About that. Yes, I, I so respect swings even more so and understudies even more so um, as a producer with chicken and biscuits, you know, I had a, I had a, had a great friend who um, was the lead of our show when we were at Queens theater (laughs) and we went from Queens theater to Broadway and then having to tell my friend uh, who was fantastic in the role that we had to go and get a star. Now that we have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of producers on the project now moving forward to to the Broadway platform, it was set that we were going to, you know, utilize a few stars in the show uh, as plays do. So to sort of tell my good, good, good friend who was excellent in this role that we now have to sort of, you know, utilize her in another way um, to stand by for said star, you know, was the most difficult uh, thing to do. Um, Mm. Mm. And, um, but, you know, giving an opportunity to that, to my friend, to that person and to see her now flourishing playing lead roles in Chicago to doing uh, POTUS, the play right now with Susan Stroman. I, I would hope to think that it kind of started with uh, her her Chicken and Biscuits credit uh, that she was there to save our show and to be, you know, a fabulous actor in that to now moving on to other things. And sometimes we have to think about it that way. You know, sometimes we need the credit. Sometimes we need to um, learn a little something in that genre so that we can be fabulous, save the show and move forward to other great things that are going to come our way. And knowing that we'll never forget that person. And that's the thing. They'll never forget you. If you just do your job as a, as an understudy, a swing, a standby, and be the fabulous person you are and put your 100% into that, no one's going to forget that. And that's what takes you to your next job. Well, Clayton, you have been such a great guest today. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the pod. And I like to offer our listeners a little bit of behind the scenes content if they go to the website and become a subscriber, become a patron and help us out with the show. And if they go to www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com, then they can unlock some behind the scenes content. And I know your website, eclaycorn.com, is full of stuff already. There are photos, there are videos, there's so much stuff there. But is Is there anything that you can offer specifically to our subscribers that they can't get anywhere else? Yeah, I can, you know, offer them a little funny video um, (laughs) of, uh, of, you know, some of my swing days and and, and something just kind of special on my last, actually last show. Perfect. Well, we look forward to seeing it. I am so grateful that you were here. I love getting your perspective and congratulations on everything, my friend. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's an honor, seriously, to talk to you. 
Hey guys, Amanda here. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and unlock some of that awesome behind-the-scenes content. Thanks.